Good morning. It's uh, been a while since I've been behind a pulpit. I know uh, uh, the last sermon I preached was at our old church when our uh, director, music director, was retiring. She she asked me to go and preach. And it's been a, a couple of months. But uh, I love it. I love to preach, especially when God has a word through me. I just don't like to speak up here and say stuff. I want God to speak, to speak to my heart, to speak to your heart. I had a, I was thinking of another passage. I've got tons of sermons that I've saved. And I was looking at one, and uh, it was, uh, it was, you know, it was about depression and all of that, and how God can bring us out of it. But then now, uh, a few days ago, the Lord put this message in my heart. And it's a passage that is very uh, known by all of us. Uh, the story of the prodigal son. In chapter 15 of Luke, uh, verse, uh, verse 11 on, uh, is the story of the prodigal son. But before that, at the beginning of the chapter, chapter 15, uh, Jesus was teaching and speaking to people and preaching. And uh, the, the, uh, the uh, not the Pharisees, but the uh, publicans, and uh, the, people, the people that the Pharisees and all call sinners uh, got close, uh, close to Jesus, closer and closer. And they were listening as he was preaching. And so the Pharisees and the scribes started complaining and started you know, seeing uh, that Jesus was not right because he was, he was allowing these people to get close to him. You know, the cancel problem is not due. People try to cancel others all the time. And uh, the Pharisees and the scribes considered themselves you know, knowledgeable and close to God and, and had the word of God and so forth. And uh, they saw the, the publicans, the tax collectors. They saw also uh, 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 women that, that were in sin and other things, other people that were just not allowed. They didn't even think of us as the Gentiles, that we were worthy of uh, knowing the Lord. And then Jesus started teaching about, about uh, how God loves even the ones that are the worst. He has no cancel culture. He loves you. He loves me. He loves whoever is in the, in the worst condition. And he gives three, three parables to show that love. Well, the title of the message today is God's love for you is greater than you could ever imagine. Is greater than you and I can ever imagine. We, we know love, human love, and relationships and so forth. And we know the, the, the love of parents and so forth. But nothing compares to the love of God. When you have an experience with the Lord that is so powerful, you know, all you, all you, have, all you can can do is just fall on your knees and worship him and thank him. The love of God is mighty and great. Now, he gives three examples. One, the first one was uh, the lost uh, lamb, the lost sheep. He gives the example of the, the, the shepherd that had a hundred sheep and one got lost. He says he leaves those, the 99, and goes after the, the one. When he finds her, he puts her in his shoulders. 
walks back and, uh, with joy and, and happiness and, and uh, start to celebrate and ask people to celebrate with him. Meaning, that lost one is important. I'm not just going to leave it out there. The second one is about a woman that had ten coins, ten silver coins, and lost one. Well, she starts sweeping in the house and looking under the bed and looking everywhere else and finally finds it. And then when she finds it, she calls her neighbors and starts celebrating. And the third one is about the prodigal son, the lost son. The son that just walked away. And this is the story that we're going to be preaching on today. I'd like to go ahead and read the, read the passage. Sometimes I get a little nervous when I'm reading, so uh, I'm not too used to reading in English anymore. <laughs> the, the, from verse 11, it says, uh, and he said, uh, and he said, there was a man who had two sons, and the younger, younger of them said to his father, Father, Give me the share of property that is coming to me. And he divided his property between them. Not many days later, the younger son gathered all he had and took a journey into a far country. And there he squandered his property recklessly in reckless living. And when we had spent everything, a severe famine arose in, the, in that country. And he began to, ha to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to uh, one of the citizens in the country who sent him into the field to feed pigs. And he was longing to feed, to be fed with the pots that the, that the pigs ate and no one gave him anything. But when he came to, his, to himself... He said, how many, how many of my father's hired servants have more than enough bread, and I perish here with hunger? I will arise and go to my father, and I will say to him, Father, I have, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me as one of your hired servants. And when he arose and came to his father, And this is the, you know, the, the beautiful passage, the part of the, of, the, of the message here, to me anyway. But while he was still a long way off, the father saw him and felt compassion and ran and embraced him and kissed him. And the, and the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am non, no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his, to his servants, bring quickly the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet and bring the fatted calf and kill him. And let us eat and celebrate. This is the key here. For this, my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found, and they began to celebrate. 
God's love is immense. It's, it's more than we could ever imagine. Now, the father had all right to turn this boy, uh, this boy away. I don't know if this, if this is following the, the Jewish tradition, but the oldest son usually got two-thirds of uh, the inheritance, and the younger one got one-third. But it must have been quite a bit of money because he sold all of, all of it and took off and, and just just uh, uh, gave it away or, or just spend it living recklessly. And the, the older son later on accuses him of, of using it with, with, with uh, uh, prostitutes and all of that you know, in, in the living in a, in, a, in, a, in a sinful way. And the father had uh, every reason to condemn him, to run him off, to give him that heart, you know, rough love or that we call sometimes but he saw him he ran to him embraced him and kissed him and received him and made a party why just he said it the son was dead in sin as we live in sin we're dead we're dead from our relationship with God we even dead with our relationship with with our, our, our family and people that we love but now he's alive. God opened his eyes. He came to me. Even though God knows what is best for us, he respects our free will. He respects our choices. Now, I'm sure the father didn't say, well, go ahead, I'll go ahead and divide. I'm sure he, he argued with him. He talked to him. He tried to, to convince him not to leave. He tried to convince him not to not to do what he, was, he, he knew he was going to do and get in the trouble he was going to get into. But the son didn't listen. We get to a point sometimes where uh, we make our own choices, even when our choices are self-destructive. But the Lord allows it to happen. The heart of God hurts when we walk away. When we say, you know, uh, I don't, I don't want anything to do with church. I don't want to do anything to do, to do with God. I don't want anything to do with my family. I want to do what I want to do. But he allows us to do it. Thinking we know better than anybody else, thinking we know, we know more than God, we just walk away. And that's what's happening today in our, in our, uh, in our churches and in, 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 our, in our society. People are thinking that they know better than God. There's a passage in, in uh, Romans chapter 1, verse 22. It says, claiming to be wise, they became fools. And we, we get to a point to where we're, we're very foolish in our decisions. But the Lord allows that. The Lord hurts because he knows what, what will happen to us. He knows that young man is going to get in trouble. He knows he doesn't know what he's doing. He knows, uh, you know, the, the, he's going to be attacked by all kinds of vices and stuff. But he allows it. God knows that the world's uh, and the Satan's lies will lead us to self-destruction, to ruin, to humiliation, to despair, and even death. But that's our choice. That's our, 
our desire. That's our belief. You know, our belief system is where a lot of things happen. You know, God works with our belief system to us, for us to believe in, in Christ, for us to come to the Lord Jesus Christ, for us to have faith in him. But Satan works in that belief system also for us to get away from God, to, to think that we know it all, to think that we know more than, than the church, the Bible, than God, we know, we know more than our parents, we know more than everybody else. And then we find out, you know, why did I do that? I recall a time I was, I was watching the news on TV, and uh, there was a young man. He was told not to take the car, and he took it, but he caused a, a major accident, and somebody died. And you could hear him say, I didn't know that was going to happen. I didn't think this would happen. Now, how many times have we said that? You know, I, I, did, I know I was doing wrong, but I didn't think it, it was going to hurt anybody else. But when we do wrong, it doesn't only hurt us, it hurts our family. It hurts our parents. It hurts other people around us. But it just takes us to a, to a time of death and despair. God desires for us to come to our senses, to wake up, to come to ourselves, as the Scripture says. No, there's got to be a time when we, we just think, you know, this is not working for me. This is not the right thing. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm hurting my parents. I'm hurting myself. I need to change. And maybe what my parents were saying was true. Maybe what I heard at church is, is, is what I need to do. It doesn't, it doesn't matter who you are or where you are. It doesn't matter how bad you are or, where, or how deep in, in, in sin you are. There comes a time when we all have to turn to God. When we all reach a point, a, a climax, a, a point that we have to make a decision. And we have to turn our eyes up to the Lord and say, Lord, am I doing wrong here? And sometimes we, we have to just wake up and say, what am I doing? What, what brought me here? And we go back in our lives and we, we remember what brought us here. In the son's case, he decided he knew better. Just give me my property, daddy, and I'm taking off. I'm sure it broke his, his, his dad's heart, his brother's heart. I'm sure it wrecked the family. But he didn't care. I'm walking off. I'm going to do what I want to do. I'm going to go where I want to go. I want to have the friends I want to have. But then at this point, when there was, a, there was a famine, when he didn't have anything to eat, where he wanted to eat the, the pig food and nobody would give it to him, he says, what am I doing here? Many people are, you know, in that stage. What am I doing here? I remember when we were students in, in San Antonio, in an in a institute in San Antonio, we would go sometimes to a, uh, to a restaurant downtown, uh, which is Mi Tierra. Maybe, maybe people would probably know it. And uh, across from Mi Tierra, there was a, a, a park between, between the, the restaurant and, the, uh, uh, and, and a, a, a hospital. 
uh, and we sometimes walk through the park, and you see people, you know, really winos, drunks, and they, they just, you know, we witnessed, witnessed to them, they'd cry, and they'd say, yes, I know better, and, 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 but they were still drunk. One time, a friend of mine walked, walked across the park and saw a man laying down, and I said, well, what's wrong with him? And I, I got close to him, and somebody had beat him up or something happened to him, but one of his toes was almost shot, uh, cut off, and he was, he, was, he was delirious. He was a drunk, but he was delirious. You know, we could have said, this guy is worthless. We just leave him here. But we said, no, we're going to go to the hospital and tell him about this man. We were afraid to pick him up. He might be, we might hurt him more than we help him. So we went to the hospital. Somebody came in and picked him up and took him to the hospital. Why? Because human life is valuable. As much as we ignore it, it's valuable. And so there needs to come a time when he or anybody else need to come to our senses. What am I doing? What am I doing here? I remember one of the members of our church, you know, we had witness to her and all that. Her and her husband had come to the Lord. But she was still very worldly. And she said one time she went to a, a, a dance and party and stuff, and it wasn't just a dance, you know, it was a drinking and all kinds of stuff. And she turned around and saw a big mirror and saw herself in that mirror. And she asked the question, what am I doing here? Why am I here? There comes a time that we have to reevaluate our, our beliefs and our system and our, uh, and our thinking. It's a time that we need to wake up to the truth and choose life instead of death. See, all of that is death. I work with drug addicts. I work with, with uh, people that are, that are drunks. I, I work with all kinds of people, even demon-possessed people. All of that is death. The only way they're going to get out, if, Jesus, if they don't come to Jesus, is death. But they're living a dead life. The Lord wants us to see Satan and the world's lies for what they are. Wake up and see what's around you. Wake up and listen to what's being told you. He wants us to realize that the real life is in Jesus Christ. That we come to the Lord, that we come to God the Father through Jesus Christ. None of this will be possible until we come to our senses. Until we wake up. Until we decide that we, we, need, we need the Lord in our lives. I can't do it on my own. You see, when we, the Bible talks a lot about works for salvation and talks about faith for salvation. When we want to do it ourselves, it works, and it never works. Because there's never nothing we can do to win heaven. Nothing we can do to win, to win uh, the Lord. That's why Jesus came. That's why Jesus came. And if we think that we can do it, do it through, uh, through our, by ourselves, then Jesus died for nothing.
God wants us to return to him. Exercising our free will by faith in Jesus Christ. See, we have the free will to to believe in, in Jesus Christ or to reject him. The Lord talks to us through the, through the sermons, through uh, things we see on TV, sermons we see on TV, things we read, and sometimes through just reading, uh, reading a, uh, a word or listening to a song, the Lord talks to us. But Satan also talks to us and tries to keep us where he wants us. He's working on our belief system. You know, all you can make your own. And I, I talked to many, many uh, people that there were drugs or, or alcoholics and so forth. They said, oh, it doesn't hurt me. I can, I can leave it any time I want to. They know it's a lie because their, their, their result is the same. But we need to come to a point that we exercise our faith. That we realize that we are bankrupt spiritually, and that we need to come to Jesus and just kneel before him and say, Lord, please, please save me. Please open my eyes. Please take me out of this mess. He wants us to repent and humble ourselves before him by faith. One of the privileges we had when we were in San Antonio when we were, we were in school, and I started uh, preaching in my first church, which was uh, in uh, far west San Antonio, uh, was that we came to know some friends that were, were about two, two or three blocks away from us and started a ministry. It was uh, uh, Freddie Garcia. He started uh, uh, Victory, Victory Ministry and uh, Victory Outlet. And uh, you'd go there, or you'd go to one of their services, and all you would hear is how God changed those people. I know one time they were singing a song, you know, uh, Jesus set me free. And, it, it, and, and they would say, you know, I, I don't remember the melody of the song, but uh, once I was, a, once I was a, a, a prostitute and Jesus set me free, and then one guy stood up and says, once I, I killed a man, but Jesus set me free. That stuck in my mind. Jesus can set you free. If he can deliver those people, he can deliver me, if he can deliver anybody else, he can deliver you. It doesn't matter where you are. God loves us so much that he doesn't accuse you or hate you or condemn you. That's the one thing that the father could do when his son came back. He could have sat him down and started accusing him. He could have turned him away. He could have put him out with, with the servants. He could have sent him out to take care of uh, uh, the, the, uh, the cattle or whatever, feed him whatever he, could, he wanted to. He could have hated him. You spent all my money. You split my, my, my possessions. You, you threw him away. Or he could condemn you. You know how many times we, we do not think we condemn our sons or our, ourselves or other people. But he didn't do that. And that, God doesn't do that. 
When you come to the Lord, he receives you. you know, it's, it's still going back to the publicans and, and sinners that the, 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 uh, the uh, Pharisees and, and the scribes were accusing him of, of, you know, eating with sinners. He received, he receives them because they are important. They, 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 they matter. You matter to the Lord. He won't hate you. He won't accuse you. He won't condemn you. One of the things I heard people say a lot of times when we witness to him is, you know, I've got to change my life before I come to the Lord. I'm too bad. I've done too many bad things. But the only one that can change your life is Jesus. You need to repent and come to him and ask him for forgiveness and transformation of life. He doesn't condemn you. He receives you and he embraces you with his compassion and his love. Just as the Father did here, the Lord receives you with love. He receives us as sons and daughters. You notice he brought the son in and he said, you know, put a new robe on him, put a ring on his, on his hand, you know, put shoes on his feet. And let's bring, let's bring the, the fatty calf, kill it, and let's celebrate. My son is back. That's what God does for you and me when we come. The scripture says that the angels in heaven celebrate when a sinner comes to the Lord. He receives us as sons and daughters. He dresses us with his glorious spirit. And the beauty of salvation. He and the angels of the heavens celebrate because you have returned home. You see, the, the, where we belong is not out doing all kinds of different stuff. Where we belong is close to the Lord. The Lord created us to have fellowship with him, with one another and with him. When sin came in, that separated. That just ruined the whole thing. And people are thinking they want to do their own thing. We are living in dangerous times. I've said this many times in, in, up my pulpit. And uh, the, the church understood what, what I meant. People are turning their backs on God. And choosing death, destruction. Death and destruction thinking that they are wiser than God. You know, when you, when you turn your back to oh God, you say, I know better. And that's what, the, what Satan and the world is trying to convince people, and people are accepting it. I know better. People are walking away from God. People are talking. People are taking the beautiful gifts that God has given them and destroying them. Like abortion. Like other gifts that God has given them. The fellowship with your parents. The fellowship with, with other people that care for you. Just destroying it. Life has become cheap. Just, uh, I think it was yesterday I heard where somebody came from another state. And uh, killed about 10 people and shot others. 
So this is just one of several others that are happening because of racism, because whatever the case it is, it's, it's, it's just life has become cheap. I remember when I was young, you know, we would hear, uh, we would go to, to Spanish-speaking movies, Mexican movies, and uh, one of the songs that they would sing, the mariachis would sing is, La vida no vale nada. <laughs> life is worth nothing. You know, and that's where we have come to. Life is worthless. But in the eyes of God, you are precious. Amen. You are important. Your life is, is, is worthy. Your life needs to, needs to continue and to fulfill the things that God has for you in your life. Christ and Christians are reduced, are ridiculed, and laughed at. We see that more and more. We talk about no persecution in the United States. There is persecution in the United States. We talk about, you know, uh, people uh, not being pursued. They are being pursued. You go to a certain place and, and speak about your faith and speak about certain things are wrong. You'll be canceled. You'll be ridiculed through the media and everything else. But it needs to happen. The days of the Antichrist, the lawless one, are here. Maybe not the final day. Even John would say, you know, the, there are many Antichrists among us. And there are many Antichrists among us right now. My belief, as the, as the Lord, as the, as the Bible speaks about the, uh, the falling away that will come, it's happening right now. People are falling away from the Lord. And it's just setting up the time for the Antichrist to come. Now, hopefully, it'll take years. Hopefully, there'll be a, a revival. Hopefully, the Lord, the Lord will touch uh, and have mercy on us and touch us and, and, and tr transform our, our, our nation and our world. But we are living in dangerous times. God's love for humanity, um, excuse me, God's love for humanity and the world are being changed. You could read the last, the, the, probably the last third of, uh, of chapter one of Romans, where it talks about what happens when people start rejecting God, refusing God. And a lot of things that it mentions there all of them are happening now. Amen. Are happening now. The time for us to come to our senses is now. Before it's too late. Wake up and realize that we are in a bad state. We're not, in, we're not right. Now, if you're, if you're following the Lord, if you love the Lord, if you're you know, coming to the, to, the, to the church and you want to grow in the Lord, you're doing okay. But there's some that are just playing church. There's some that are just being cold or lukewarm, as a study of this morning was at, in Sunday school mentioned. The Bible says he'll, he'll spew you out of his mouth. Wake up. Wake up and realize 
what can happen and what is happening and what Satan is doing. You know, Satan has many allies right now. The media, even some schools are teaching all kinds of horrible stuff. Not all of them, thank God for that. Uh, even, uh, uh, you know, some pulpits are preaching stuff that's not scriptural. But we need to get on our knees and pray. The same, the same formula that God gave us through Solomon, that his people need to kneel and pray and look for the Lord and ask the Lord to come and change our lives. It needs to start with the church. Wake up and run into the loving arms of God. He's waiting for you. He loves you. He cares for you. He wants the best for you. Come to him. Come to the Father through Jesus Christ, the Son. Now, Jesus came so that you may have life. No, we read all those words in Scripture. Really don't understand what all it means. Spiritual life is a life that, that God is, wants to, for you. Spiritual death is a life that we live away from God. He wants to forgive our sins, and he wants to renew us. He is desperately waiting for you because he loves you and cares for you. His love is greater than any one of us can imagine. Come to him. Come into his loving arms. There's a reason, and I've discovered this many years ago. I've been in ministry for 47 years. There's a reason why the Lord gives certain messages. I remember uh, one of the deacons of our church, you know, I was training them to preach, and I would, they, they would preach every once in a while. And one of them uh, you know, stood up there and preached a sermon, and he sweated probably four or five buckets of, of sweat. And then uh, he got off and he said, you know, Pastor, I didn't say all I wanted to say. And I said, you said all that God wanted you to say. Even through the sweat and everything else, you said what God wanted you to say. And there are certain messages that God gives for reasons. And so the Lord is talking to you this morning. Realize that God loves you. That's not just a phrase. That's not just some people, something that people talk about. God does love you. Jesus loves you. He put his hands on the cross for you. He put his back to the whip for you. He put his side to be pierced for you. He did that all for you and me. I am here, and many of us are here because of what Jesus has done. And his work is complete. Don't start saying, well, I, I, I'm too bad. I, yes, we're all too bad, one way or the other. But when you come to Jesus, he forgives your sins. 
His sacrifice pays for your sins. And, he, and we consider that he considers us dead to sin and alive in Christ. He says, because I live, you shall live also. In him we have life. And you know, with all his loving arms, he opens wide his arms and he says, come to me. Come to me. I love you and I care for you. Let's pray. Now, Father, I thank you for this, your word. I thank you, Lord, for your love and your care for us. I thank you, Lord, that while we were still sinners, you died for us. You paid it all. You loved us first, and you teach us how to love. You give us your marvelous spirit. Lord, I ask this morning that you touch hearts and lives. And Lord, that you work in each life, in each heart, in a mighty and powerful way. I'd like to ask you, if the Lord has touched your heart, if you need at this morning, this morning, if you feel the impulse of the Lord pulling you to, to himself, I'd like for you to come, bend your knee. I'd like to pray for you. And I'd also like to make an invitation for rededication. I've always believed in that. We mess up as Christians, and we need to rededicate our lives. I ask you this morning, come to the Lord, bend your knee, and rededicate your life to the Lord. Say, Lord, forgive me. Lord, thank you for loving me. I want you to retouch my life and change me and transform me. I'll be here at the front for a little while. But the one that's asking you to come, I could tell you, stand out here and beg. But isn't that about begging? It's about you deciding for Jesus or not. It's about your free choice. You want freedom. You want liberty. You want life. It's in Jesus. I invite you, come. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. We invite you to like us on Facebook or visit our website, www.bearcreekbaptist.org. If you're not a member of another church, we would like to invite you to join us in person and get to know us and let us get to know you. Have a great week and may the Lord richly bless you.